Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Tales of the LGBTQ+. My name is Douglas Parsons. I'm coming to you tonight from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and I wish to acknowledge that I learn and work on Treaty 6 and Métis ancestral lands, the traditional meeting grounds, gathering place, and traveling route to the Cree, Salto, Blackfoot, Métis, Dene, and Nakota Sioux. We acknowledge all the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit whose footsteps have marked these lands for centuries. This is where we will strive to honor and transform our relationships with each other. If this is your first time listening to Tales of the LGBTQ+, welcome. This is a podcast that has been created for you, a place where we can share our stories, our challenges, our victories, and just engage with each other. Tonight, we're going to talk about the Imperial Sovereign Court of the Wild Rose and its 46-year history. That's just one of the many stories. Please take a look at our many previous episodes. I'm confident you will find something there for you. And if you are a returnee, thank you as well. If you've yet to subscribe yet to the YouTube channel, please do at this time. That helps us greatly when it comes to all the different algorithms. And of course, as always, word of mouth. Word of mouth helps us. So if there's this episode or any other episode that captures your interest, please make sure that you pass that along to everybody. Tonight's guests are candidates for Emperor and Empress 46, Rob Borowski and Godiva. They are no strangers to Tales of the LGBTQ+. Rob had his own featured episode a few months ago where we learned all about himself being a professional homosexual. And Godiva joined us on our Three Queens episode along with Tequila Mockingbird and Vanity Fair. Do check that out because they have performances found within that. But tonight they're here to share the history. Last week, we had Layaway and Ron Byers share with us the first 20 years of the history for the Imperial Sovereign Court of the Wild Rose, a brilliant operation that has been able to continue throughout this time. Just a little bit of a recap, the Imperial Sovereign Court Court of the Wild Rose is based in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. It runs from north of Red Deer up to the border of the Northwest Territories. And it's been this way since its inception in 1976. The Court of Edmonton is proud to be at the forefront for many firsts, many significant Canadian court firsts. They had the first Native American Empress, Millicent I. Canada's first Black Empress, Gracie Spoon. Canada's first female Imperial Crown Prince, Pepe. And Canada's first straight female Empress, Mother Jean, Empress Ten. They were also the first Canadian monarchs to be presented in any legislative assembly in Canada in full regalia. The only other person who was able to wear a crown within the confines would be Queen Elizabeth. We're gonna continue on to talk about how 
the Imperial Sovereign Court of the Wild Rose has helped in many ways when it comes to charities that help lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans-identified, trans two-spirit, intersex, queer, questioning, and allied youths. So, please welcome to this episode, sharing part two of the history of the Imperial Sovereign Court of the Wild Rose, please welcome Rob Borowski and Godiva. Welcome to both of you. Hello. Hello. Now, before we uh, came on to having all three of you here, uh, we have to make mention that Godiva, you do not have one of those uh, light rings on you at the moment. So this is your natural glow, is it not? Absolutely. Uh, there is a natural glow that hits me straight from the front, maybe a little from the side at all times. There's nothing natural about her. <laughs> hey, both of you were able to watch last week's episode with Layaway and Ron Byers. When we were talking about the first 20 years of the court, were there any stories or pieces of information that surprised you that you had not heard about before? No, I think I'd heard almost, I think I'd heard most of them before. Um, I, I didn't know that, uh, I didn't know Gracie personally, so uh, I was I was uh, surprised that she was kind of uh, roped in to uh, wrangle Schaefer, because um, he was definitely a untamable whirlwind. So, um, yeah, um, I didn't know that Leia did not have to go up and get her crown off a pole for Miss Flashback. That was a very big surprise for me. Because I let Leia and Shimmy, it's usually side to side, but I'm sure she could do it down too. <laughs> yeah, there were certainly some stories, especially um, when they were talking Reigns 12, 13, 14, where um, it's, it's well before Godiva in my time because we're, we're, we're much younger than Leia and Ron. Um, just, just that we didn't know, like I, I, like I, knew, I knew the names and, and the general outlines, but there was some nice specifics there about, about monarchs that I had never heard. So. Yeah. So for both of you, there had to have been a time where you fully recognized that there was this court. There was this group of queens who were out and about doing cherry work, putting on shows. When did you first come to know that the Imperial Sovereign Court of the Wild Rose existed? Rob? Um, I guess it would be during Reign 24, which is when I um, moved, moved up here from Lethbridge. Uh, I saw some of the production shows that they did that Reign at uh, the Roost and, and possibly Boots, maybe just the Roost. Um, certainly the first court meeting I was ever at would have been um, just in advance of Coronation 25. It was a divisive, contentious, chaotic uh, court meeting. And I turned to my friends, Jim and Ron, and said, why would you want me to be part of this organization? It's apt. These people are nasty. Um, but, I, but I stuck with it and, and learned that most meetings were not like that. That was just a, a particularly eventful Wednesday at the garage. And we're definitely going to learn more about that 25th year here tonight. Godiva, what about yourself? Because I know you're much younger than even Rob himself here. Well, actually, my uh, first experience with the ball or with the court was before Rob. 
Um, I moved here in 99 um, and I'd done dabbled in a little bit of drag when I lived in Red Deer and, uh, and I'd gone to Calgary frequently. So when I moved to Edmonton, um, I fell in with some drag queens, uh, Mia Fellow, who I knew from Red Deer, and um, Eden Out, who became my drag mother. And they um, were the Buddies Beauties. They were Buddies Queens through and through. And um, they took me, and I'd, I wanted to do drag. I wanted to get involved, but I didn't quite dive in. And they took me to my first coronation, which would have been Coronation 24, I think. Uh, Weena Love was stepping down, and uh, Dinah Thirst was uh, stepping up, and um, I went. I was not in drag. I was, uh, I believe I was Eden's escort, and uh, her arm candy for the night, I guess. Uh, but, uh, I, and I was obviously floored with the uh, gorgeousness and the jewels and all that. Um, I mean, I had, we also had thoughts about uh, some of the performances and... Uh, as, as buddies queens, we went to balls all the time, but I didn't really directly become involved until I was Miss Gay Edmonton. So around reign 30, I think, is when I really started to get involved with the court. But we were always on the sidelines, always supporting them and them us. So, wow. It was a... Sometimes we supported them, sometimes they supported us, and sometimes we didn't do either. So <laughs> sometimes it was contentious. Yeah. For both of you, you... You have other titles. You, uh, Rob, you have been an emperor before, but we're not doing necessarily discussions about that specifically because candidates, candidates for emperor and empress, um, 46. So why is it that the court brings you back year after year to to take part in whichever way it is that um, is decided. What is the allure of it? You wanna go first, Eva? Sure. Um, I was a little slower to get into it, like I said. Um, I didn't dive headfirst into the court. I dove headfirst into drag and into um, performance. Um, it was a big part of what I was doing. It was all, it was performance-based and less charity based, I guess. Mm. Um, and it wasn't until again, around brain 30 when I became much more involved and I was allowed the opportunity to host fundraisers. Um, and I was even allowed to choose who I could give the money to, which made a, a big impact for me. And then all of a sudden it was like, Oh, I get this. I get the sense of goodwill um and and the sense of community um because as bar queens maybe we were a little off to the side we had respect on both sides but we were a little off to the side and it wasn't until i got involved that i was like oh i start to see the broader and broader community and that's what brings me back it's the charity the goodwill of giving back but also the connections that are made in the city and throughout North America? Well, if I'd known you were gonna steal my answer, I would have gone first. Um, but yeah, that, that's absolutely the same thing. Um, I was thrust um, headfirst into it. Um, I had I had known about the organization for about three weeks before I was running for Prince. 
um, and I've just never really, really, really stepped away since. Um, there's certainly been years that I have been less involved, and, and years that I've been very heavily involved. But yeah, it's it's the the connection in the community that really, when it comes down to it. One of the things that uh, I did with Godiva and Ron last week it was to go through the different houses because by ma making mention of their names, it puts them back into the public eye. And from that, we're able to share stories about them. And we're gonna continue to do that here tonight as well. So there's gonna be times where I'm going to mention uh, the different houses that took place. I'm gonna pause at different times for everybody. And Rob and Godiva, please feel free to join in, especially if there's an empress or emperor that you want to make mention of, or you know, there's so stories that come up, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever it is that you wish to share with everybody tonight, because that's our history and that's what we uh, gain and learn from as well. For sure. Last week, we finished off with Ron and, and Layaway with the 20th house. So let's continue on tonight with the 21st Imperial House of Turnabout is Fair Play. The Emperor is Signy Chase St. Clair. The Princess is Endora. And the Prince is Ed. From just this, I know this was before both of your times, but could you make mention of Signy at any time? Uh, because she's presented as an emperor, but... And had been a past emperor as well. Signy was actually the regent that year um, for reasons that I'm not going to get into because it was before my time and I only know the story second or third hand. Um, but Signy was... The, the regent and then and then inducted into the college to, to keep that number at the end but um there had been other other monarchs elected at the beginning of that reign oh excellent the 22nd imperial house under millicent so we're bringing back the millicent name empress jackie two-step emperor brian princess roxanne heard pride prince scott the 23rd imperial house of love Empress Weena Love, Princess Sticky Vicky, and I declare, as well as Prince Chris Departy. See, you know, I think that was the first year that there was um, two princesses. And I think it was probably quite novel on the circuit, if not the first time anywhere. Um, no one was running for emperor that year. Um, so sometimes I would go to a regent, but they asked Weena if she wanted a regent, and Weena being a, a strong and powerful queen all on her own said, no, I don't want one, but I would like you to give me two princesses because she wanted Ida and Vicky both to be princesses so they could still have a four person upper house. So that was the beginning of a long tradition in Edmonton of, of bucking the rules of, of what, what a traditional upper house looked like. Sorry. One thing that I don't think that Ron and Leah mentioned was that Edmonton is one of the few cities where we elect our, our mm. prince and princess. Um, and this goes back to Brandy Bodine, who, Rob, I hope you know what number she was. 13. So Princess 13 was our first elected princess, and we've carried that tradition through. So even in years when we've only had one candidate, or in that year when there's two candidates, 
you know, they are still elected. It is still a yes, no vote. Um, and they are elected officials within our organization. And that is something that most other courts don't do. The emperor and empress are elected and then they name their prince and princess. They name their duchess. They name all the other people in their house. But um, this is something that Edmonton has done. And, um, and some of us feel that it, uh, it does create, give the title a bit of a, higher esteem, so. It's slightly different than the election for emperor and empress. Emperor and empresses are elected by anyone who lives in, in the realm. So like you said, from Red Deer, Red Deer North, um, prince and princess are only elected by members of the organization. So people have to buy a membership um, in, in the weeks leading up to investiture and they get to elect the ICPs. Excellent. Well, let's get to the 24th Dynasty of Ebony and Ivory with fried chicken, watermelons, and tatas for days. Empress Dinah Thirst, Emperor Gary, Princess Dezina Gowan, Prince Gailey Forward. Dezina Gowan, get it? It's a pun. Oh, oh Lord. She was that a seamstress extraordinaire. She was absolutely a seamstress extraordinaire, um, unless you were on a timeline, in which case, um, good luck getting that get, getting that in time. She was notoriously um, very last minute, if not late. Um, that was my first ball. It was a it was a great ball. It started two and a half hours late or something like that. Um, there was supposed to be a fried chicken dinner that um, never really materialized. So two hours after the start time. Um, Gary showed up with some buckets of KFC and threw them down, and here we go. Um, but yeah, that was that was my first coronation. That was back when we had them at the Hellenic. Huge statuesque queen. I don't know how tall she was without heels on, but she was absolutely gigantic when she wore heels and had beautiful piercing eyes and tatas that uh, would uh, stop you dead in your tracks and uh, and the kindest soul that you could meet um, I didn't know her I, well, I don't know her well but uh, on the few occasions that we did like just just a sweet very nice person and an amazing performer they did be our guest to open the show and it did open and she wore a giant I believe she wore this huge giant hula hoop purple hat it was a uh, was it a cotillion? Was that the theme? It was a, a, a milliner, a milliner's milliner's delight. Yes. I know Dinah was wearing purple too. Dinah was certainly. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, Dinah was wearing the yeah, the purple. Yeah, and and I think yeah, Gary was our first uh, black emperor. It was our first black emperor. Um, certainly yeah. not our first black monarch. Um, no, no, and no, would later, crazy, later, but, uh, yeah. later, later, later go on to become um, empress. He. Um, wasn't our first gender swap either, but um, certainly one of the first. Even just hearing the names, it really does, like, I have such good memories of becoming involved with the organization. Um, so even just hearing the names just brings a smile to my face. Gail was this amazing drag king that, um, I don't know if she worked at Secrets, but she was at Secrets all the time. Dinah used to host Bingo at Secrets. Um, yeah, like, it was a lot of fun. Like, the court was a lot of fun for me right from the beginning. When Gail was the first drag king that I had interacted with, I believe, or the one, the, the first one that I really remember, and uh, t 
to me, too much of a flash in the pan because I really enjoyed them and their performances. But uh, after they stepped down as Prince, I don't recall much of them performance-wise again. No, and like Gail was, she probably killed me for saying this, but she she was she was older than she looked. So when she stepped down, she was she was on in years. Um, so maybe she was she was just done with with bars and performing because she really did didn't stick around the bar scene even much longer after that. It's possible she married off as as they tend to do. But yeah, I, I love um, Gail. Um, I really remember <laughs> that year specifically kicking up from in my memory kicking off all the fantastic production shows. Um, mm. I believe they did the Wiz. They did the Wiz that year, yeah. Um, um and, and they did Chicago, um, which was which I remember seeing at Buddies. Um, Best Little Whorehouse was the other one. They Best Little Whorehouse was excellent yeah. as well, which was, you know, and Dinah with her tatas for days was the perfect Dolly Parton. Absolutely. That's been a big part of the Imperial Sovereign Court of the Wild Rose. These large, over-the-top productions. It's part of the lineage for Edmonton itself. Is there a show that just stands out to you that you remember today that you're like, damn, I can't believe they did that or we did that? I've honestly loved every single one. Like every, like they, they bring me joy during COVID. I tried to track a few down and, and watch, and watch them. And I'm like, damn, we did really, really well for a bunch of amateurs with no budget. We have put together some very, very well done production shows. Yeah. I've seen Chicago done three or four times. And I mean, honestly, like Chicago is such a great musical. How can you go wrong? And it is different and better uh, every time, I mean, every time I see it, I just think, wow, how did they, oh gosh, whoever played Velma, you know, whoever played Roxy, they just, they just kill it. And it's because it's demanding, but uh, our performers step up to the chart or up to the plate. And um, I've only been involved in a few, but uh, you know, I guess I might be involved in another one or two this year, I guess. Uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Well, Rob, you meant you alluded to this next upcoming house that I'm going to make mention of. So I de I'm definitely going to pause at the end of this one for both of you to add comments. The 25th Imperial House under Millicent, the Celebration Court from Silver Screens to Broadway's Follies, Empress Mr. Vera, Emperor Ron, Princess, I declare... Prince, Rob, Big Onion, and Jim. Yeah, so that was the, the first year that I was involved. Um, you had Ron on the program uh, last week, so obviously he would have been able to talk a little bit more about it. Um, as his prince, um, we, we, had, we had a great time that year, though. Um, you'll notice that there was, again, two princes, um, even though there was um, an emperor and an empress, but it was just Ron had asked me to run. I did not know Ron very well. Um, just through a few months in the village people. And I said, I will do it, but only if I get to run with my good friend, Debbie. So they, they let us have, they let us have um, Siamese princes. And by the end of the year, I was quite comfortable doing things on my own, but um, I certainly wanted that, that anchor, I guess, first. Um, we only did one production that year. It was Cabaret. I don't know if, did you see that Diva? Uh, didn't you do, didn't you do um, West Side Story? 
No, no, West Side Story is like years after that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Vicky's, Vicky's year, I think. I, I think I was, I, I was at Buddies for West Side Story. Cabaret, we did it. Electric Lava, which was a, a big fetish ball that the court participated in at the Arts Barns. And then I think we ran it again at, at Boots. Mm. Some of those nights get blurry back there. That was back when I was drinking. <laughs> I'm going to throw uh, something on the uh, slides here. This comes from Carl Austin, who we can t mention as well. Uh, he makes mention of the best little whorehouse in Texas. Uh, Carl was um, the manager of the Roost during these rains. So certainly the Roost was a huge supporter of the court for, I believe, pretty much the Roost's entire existence. Um, and Carl, obviously, a, a huge, a huge part of that support, um, as well as the the Leatherman and the Village people. So, hi, Carl. Thanks for watching. So, there's this meeting, and from what I remember from last week, Ron kind of alluded to this feud between the Mister Vera and himself, always competing for the same title, but here they are now, Empress and Emperor uh, together. Generally, what do you remember about that year in itself? Because this is your first time, Rob, being part of yeah, it was, everything. It was a lot of fun. It was the Silver Jubilee. Ron and Vera had been planning this for a long time, so they had very clear ideas in their minds about where they wanted it to go. Because it was the Silver Jubilee, it was, um, rather protocol heavy. Vera had been emperor three times, but this was her first time now um, as empress. Her partner was Dinah Thirst who had reigned the year before. So I think there was also a little bit of, of I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to do this and, and do this as well, if not better kind of competition. It was, it was just so much fun though. Like every, everything about that year was, was just delightful. I don't remember the coronation happening when they actually got crowned because um, I believe we left to go to the bar at two o'clock. Well, Ron and Vera, that was that that was that long ball. Remember that I told you mm -hmm. that started so late. Ron and Vera were crowned at something like three in the morning to a rather empty ballroom. It was like raining monarchs and and college. Like it was it, it was quite late. Um, certainly, that was the the last time that a ball ever ran ever ran that long. Um, I still think sometimes they run too long, but uh, by the time Ron and Vera were stepping down, it was it was it was fine tuned. Let's just put it like that. We were not waiting for buckets of cold KFC. There are just well, so many performances that night. It, 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 Ron and Vera's step up started over two hours late because of the delays with dinner. So, and then there was just tons of performances. Um, now you have to understand that a lot of what a coronation is, and I don't think they really talked about it, um, is is welcoming dignitaries from from other cities and all of those people that are coming from other courts had introduced now because ron and vera had been around since the dawn of time um ron actually a little bit earlier than that um they had they knew a lot of people on the circuit so there was a lot of people from out of town that, that came and all of those people had to get introduced well those introductions tend to tend to add up really quick time wise but it does you know we do the same when we go out of town we wouldn't want to lose that that little moment in the spotlight so. Well, it's important to know who's visiting from out of town. And so that when you're sitting at the table, just watching what's going on, you can put names to faces and like, oh, okay, that's who that person is, or that's who that person is. And I mean, this is all pre, you know, Facebook and Instagram. So like this being introduced to the dais would be sometimes the first time you're meeting some of these people. Yeah, absolutely.
And I'm, let me just throw this in here as well, because on August 14th, uh, so in just over a week, we have a very important date in itself uh, with the next step down as well as the coronation of whomever's going to be coming next. Is this just for people who are part of the court or can others join in on the festivities as well? It's absolutely open to everyone. Um, obviously there's some COVID um, capacity issues and, and restrictions that are in, in, in place this year, but it's absolutely open to everyone. There's people coming from out of town that'll be here the entire weekend. Some of them performing on the Friday night. It's, it's three full days of, of fabulous festivities. And let's put this on the screen here for our YouTube watchers. And I'll make mention of this for our audio listeners later on to find more information about the upcoming coronation, which is taking place on Saturday, August 14th. You can find the information on their Facebook site. Simply look up ISCWR, the Imperial Sovereign Court of the Wild Rose for more information uh, to find out how you may be able to watch some of the out-of-town and in-town shows that will be taking place. Well, I think probably, and Godiva, do you agree with me that we could probably just skip the 26th house um, completely and just move on to the 27th? I don't remember anything or anyone important. In, oh, Ida was in that. Yeah, Ida was in that. She, she Ida, was and I really like that LaDonna. LaDonna was very strong. Oh, yes. Um, and there's, yeah, so, well, let's just, let's just give them credit, and then we'll move on to the 27th house. The 26th Imperial House of the Fun That Was Lost But Not Forgotten, Empress I Declare, Emperor Rob Big Onion, Princess LaDonna, and Prince Bobby. Obviously, we are having fun because this is Rob stepping up and becoming emperor. So, hey, Rob, you've mentioned about how fun this was and you became part of it. But why was it important for you to step up at that time and become emperor? I had a really good time with Ida. Um, we had quite bonded. I was having a great time on the circuit. I'd made some great friends and. Vancouver and Calgary and Winnipeg. Hi, Electra. And um, yeah, I just like it, it just it felt like a natural succession. Certainly there's been times when when that's kind of what's happening is the ICPs are being groomed for Emperor and Empress and, and and so on. There's been times when that hasn't happened too, so it's certainly not a rule. But I was just like, that's this is a good year to do it. Um Ida and I were convinced about halfway through um, our ICP year, so halfway through Ron and Beer's year, that that, that we were gonna do it. Um, so I just had to convince Ida that she wanted to do it with me because she didn't like me at the beginning of our year, um, but she did like me by the end. So we had, we had, we had a great time too. Um, the best story I think probably from Rain 26 was the, the live action rivalry between Edmonton and Calgary. Um, the Battle of Alberta is not just a hockey thing. It was also that year, um, Coronations. Calgary was having their theme, a journey through the Stargate or something. I don't know. Um, but Ida and I decided that we were going to get carried in, in on these giant litters by, by like a team of people, these, these heavy monstrosity wooden, wooden litters, um, and get carried in. 
Um, we could barely fit through their Stargate. It was almost a complete disaster, but we completely stole the show. So um, then we set up our own little dais. We were having cocktails. Even the, the reigning monarchs that were supposed to be hanging out on stage saw that we were having more fun. So they came and joined us halfway through. That was also <laughs> probably the year that Godiva and I met. Godiva was Ms. Buddies that year. Yes, I was. Uh, I'll drop it because it's not a court title. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I was Miss Buddies number one. I guess we became, we knew each other around and um, I actually asked Rob to, I think there had been some tension between buddies and the court that had led up to this. And because when I first started doing shows at buddies at the old buddies on 124th street, um, I remember Chicago playing at buddies, but then I think that was the last court show that played there. Um, and so there was a little bit of tension, um, and the court wasn't necessarily welcome at welcome to do shows or host their events at Buddies. And um, when I was stepping down, I had uh, I had asked Rob to be one of the judges to judge the pageant for the next incoming uh, Ms. Buddies, and it kind of bridged a little bit of a gap there for sure. It was the first time that uh, a court title had been heard in in Buddies since sometime in Rain 24, anyway. Um, the court and Buddies were on again, off again for, again, um, all, of, all of Buddies' duration. But I would imagine a lot of this is that relationship building and then having to reconnect with people and just keeping things moving, especially when you you meet with resistance so many different times. Uh, you mentioned Calgary, and we're gonna talk about the court in Calgary later on when it's closer to their coronation as well, which takes place in April. Uh, so we're gonna focus more on them at that point, but can you both just mention a little bit about the Cal uh, Calgary court and give them a little bit of props while we're here at this moment? Go ahead. Oh yes, they're 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 a lovely court. No, no, um, they're they're our they're our sister court. Like obviously, we have some good natured rivalry all, all the time, but yeah, they, they they do amazing things down there. They have had some fundraisers that have blown some of ours um, out of, out of the water. So um, they're they're a little bit a little bit newer than us. So so we're we're, we're like the, we're the old older older sister, but. By and what's their uh, name? Eight months, nine months. <laughs> they're, they're the Imperial Sovereign Court of the Chinook Arch. Of the so they, they get they get red dirt south. They added on the Rockies, so the Imperial um, all of Southern Alberta plus the Rockies. Um, so we had to one up them by um, colonizing Nunavut. So we're all of Northern Alberta and Nunavut, even though we're, I don't think they're actually connected. But nobody wanted the Northwest Territories, I guess. So many amazing people, and like I throughout the years, um, I think. One of the first people I remember meeting at the ball, of course, was Dion Boink from uh, mm -hmm. Calgary. Um, and he was a titan there for many, many years and like a gregarious, outgoing person. And uh, I mean, I don't know. I hope to see him again sometime soon. So, and so many other amazing people from Calgary that I've met over the years. But I mean, like going back to like this day and age, like that is somebody who really sticks out. Yeah, people like Rhoda Stiffy and, and Roxy Ricochet, they were they were like the Calgary 
fun queens um, when Dinah and Vera were the Edmonton fun queens. Alberta was just a whole bunch of fun queens. One of the traditions uh, that used to happen um, after coronation, the Sunday after, there would be an event called Tough Drag, and uh, where you would get up, and uh, the idea, of course, was not to look very pretty. And quite often it was the um, emperors, stepping up emperors and stepping down emperors, and who would uh, don uh, their most ridiculous regalia. However, I remember the first time I ever met Roxy Ricochet, I was in. I was still living in Red Deer, I believe, and I'd gone to Calgary, and I saw something tragic stumble on stage and prance around. And after watching, you know, the gorgeous Devin Mills and Cricket and um, Sandy St. Peter's, and you see this come on stage, I was like, what the heck is this? But I didn't understand uh, the showmanship of, of what is tough drag at that time. <laughs> and then I realized she, once, you know, when she became Empress, I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, and because we're so close geographically, we, we do have some very tight bonds. Like there was a lot of back and forth. And obviously that's been put on hold um, because of COVID. But people in Calgary, like uh, Ms. Rhonda would come up all the time or Fred and Barkley. Like they're, they're Calgary monarchs that are so much a part of, uh, of Edmonton's court. Like, and I, I, I'm sure there's some, some vice versa there. But yeah, there's amazing, amazing monarchs and, and friends down in down in Calgary, just we're better, obviously. <laughs> Look at the friendship that's taking place here. But enough of Calgary, this is about Edmonton. The 27th Imperial House of blah, 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 and what a pity, Empress Endora, Emperor Bobby Big Onion, Princess Crystal Ball, and Bianca, Prince Mark. The 28th Imperial House of never-ending sunsets and everlasting fantasies. Empress Cleo Oprah, Emperor Rob Big Onion, Princess Sticky Vicky, Duchess Kitten Caboodle, and Connie Lingua. If you say so, because like honestly, I was raining that year. I don't really remember them being our upper house, but um, we moved the ball that year from August until May. It was decided that um, August was too hot. We were tired of competing with the fringe. I think London or Hamilton or something had their ball on the same weekend as ours. And so we moved it to May. So Oprah only had a, an eight month reign. Um, Oprah ran against someone though. That would have been, that was the first time I saw a, a race for the crown. Um, so that was exciting. Um, nobody was running for, I guess that's actually not true. No one was on the ballot for emperor the day the ball came around. Um, the person that was running had to, to drop out mid race. So, um, at that time, the Regency went to the last monarch, skipping the current reigning one. So it went automatically to me. And I'm like, sure, it's a short reign and I just have to be the regent. Um, I can do that. I did not realize how, how much wrangling Oprah would take, but we, we had a wonderful time. <laughs> and, and, we should make, one of my best friends. and we should make mention that uh, Clea Oprah was part of the Imperial Houses before. Am I correct? Yeah, that's Emperor 24 Gary. Just in yes. Drag. yes, and we made mention of Emperor Gary, who's part of the 24th Dynasty. So he's that year. Hey, um, Sticky Vicky has come up a few times, and in that year, she was the princess. Can you tell me a little bit more about the legacy that is Sticky Vicky? 
Devo, what was the first time you met Becky? Um, I don't know the first time. Um, she just always sticks out in my mind. It was probably at an in-town show, um, and I didn't necessarily get it at first, but people absolutely loved her, and she was kind, and um, she was always willing to, you know, want to have a shooter? <laughs> and of course, I always want to have a shooter, so, you know, why not? So, Kadavi, you said the words, you didn't quite get it. You know, people who are listening who don't know necessarily the court or the queens, what do you mean by it? Um, Vicky had a quirky aesthetic. Yes. Like, yeah, there was Vicky was, was quirky and a little out there. And, um, and as somebody who didn't interact with her regularly, um, I thought she was a little out there. So until I got to know her a little better. So and got to see the heart underneath it. She terrified me the first time I met her. Um, I was just this is and this is well before I knew what the court was. But I went into the roost on like a Tuesday night and I was sitting there by myself and this this drag queen came up and was like fluttering about and squawking at me. And I was just terrified. And it was probably years after when I'm like, oh, she saw that someone was brand new and didn't know anyone and was sitting by themselves. And she went up to make them feel feel welcome. And I just, I was terrified. But um, like, I was just a wee, wee 19 year old. The ironic thing is I ended up having sex with her roommate that night. So she made me breakfast. <laughs> See, the more you know. It's a small world. It is. And I'm just gonna put another comment here uh, from Carl back on the screen. Carl Austin, uh, who was running Roost at the time, said she was the heart and soul of the Roost. She really, really was. And um, it's jumping ahead in the narrative, I guess, but uh, Vicky passed away in 2007 and the Roost didn't, um, didn't live much longer, and it it, it seemed it seemed fitting. It, it seemed fitting that the ruse couldn't go on without Vicky. The twenty ninth Imperial House of Broadway Boys and a Babe, Empress Vicky, Emperor, or I should say, co emperors Ron and Jim, Princess Southern Comfort, and Prince Lloyd blew them all. Then we get to Layaway once again. The Triple X or the 30th Imperial House of XXX Travagant, XXX to see, and XXX Rated Erotica. So definitely going into that 30. Emperor. Yeah, that was that was um there's a good story about Coronation, um, Coronation 30. Um, so it's a good Vicky story. So there was two people running for Empress that year as well. Um, at Vicky's step down, it was Leia and Designa. Now, what happens when we're about to crown a new monarch is, is the, the Empress steps down, the college gets called up the stage, we bring in the stepping down monarch. So in that case, we would have brought in Ron and Jim and Vicky. And then we show them the piece of paper um, on which the results are listed. And then we send them out of the room to bring in the new monarchs. So we all look at the paper that says that Lloyd and Leia won, and we show Vicky the paper that says very clearly that Lloyd and Leia won, and Vicky saunters off down the down the alley at uh, the Hellenic Hall and goes into the back room and brings out designer. And we're all standing on stage completely horrified that she's bringing out the wrong person. And we wait for her to clue in, 
and she doesn't. And so um, I think it was Chatty that was standing next to me on the dais, and she's like, Vicky, you got the wrong one. And the whole ballroom just broke up laughing. You have to imagine designer would have been crushed. Like she thought she had just won it and found out that she did And Leo would have been crushed and then and then found out that she did. So it's a, it's a, it was a horrible accident. It certainly made the ball memorable. That it does. <laughs> Empress Leia Way, Emperor Lloyd Bluem All, Princess Marnie Graw, Prince Jamal Potpatra. Uh, I get it afterwards. Duchess Mia Fellow and Tony Lester. Once again, Leia has a princess who stands out in many ways. Um, Leia's first empress when she had reigned before was Twiggy. And this time, Marnie Grock, who has become a pillar of the LGBTQ plus community activist and just has put herself out there and has worked hard. So uh, within that, Leia, you've done well with um, the princesses involved. Now, I think I think that year um, was Marnie's first connection to the court. She'd been involved with um, the Illusion Social Group. And I think that that year was really Marnie's, the, the start of Marnie's journey of, of self-discovery to, to, to find the real Marnie. So obviously we're going to be talking a lot about Marnie in about two reigns. This year was the, the first year, like, I started going to meetings um, and really getting involved, hosting fundraisers um, with the gay title um, alongside LJ Steele, who uh, many people will recognize that name, and of course, Maraschenko. Um, and I think Lloyd and Leia, I think uh, they, they set the stage for a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, people to, um, to move up, um, like they were talking about, you know, Marnie and you know, LJ, myself. Um, I think Mia Fellow was her one of her duchesses. Am mm -hmm. I wrong there? Yeah, uh, Mia um, Fellow and Tony Lester. Right, and so you know, there was a lot of really diverse and and um, people. They really, really reached you know, around the city and brought in a whole different crew of people into the court. And um, yeah, and I think also, you know, they're setting the stage for Marnie in, I mean, we'll talk about Marnie and how, you know, we really made a huge gap there, but uh, in Loyalea's year, again, this was my first year being there, but the sense I always got was that we were, Leia was involved with setting the stage of moving the court forward into more than just a social organization, but also a business and a fundraising uh, train that keeps on chugging. Yeah. That's a fantastic legacy uh, because that's one of the reasons why the court is um, solvent and continues today. So it's of the works of Imperial Houses year by year that make this work. The 31st Imperial House of Northern Lights and Southern Delights, Empress Southern Comfort, Emperor Chuck Lone Star, Princess Alicia Showed Up, Prince Sundance, Duchess Caprice and Connie Lingua, Duke LJ Steele, and David Waterhouse. And then we have the 32nd Imperial House of 
F-U-N, Friendship, Unity, and Naughtiness. Empress Tony Lester, Emperor, Regent Emperor Lloyd Bluemall, Princess D. Love, Prince L.J. Steele, Princess Mia Fellow, Prince Jack Daniels, Duchess Luca da Titz, and Duke Skippy School. I guess we could talk a little bit about Rain 32. Um, Rain 32 was certainly a year that will live in infamy. For me, the lesson that comes out of that year is how quickly a rain and the fundraisers and the monarchs as as the team leaders for that fundraising can be derailed by a board that is not 100% behind them. It's certainly not the first time that had happened and it's certainly, sadly, not the last, but um, yeah, I think, I think, it, I think it, it's something that happens in, in any organization. If the people that are on, on the board no longer want to be there, they no longer have the best interests of the organization at heart, they really need to, to step aside. And I don't want to say anything bad about Schaefer, may she rest in peace, but it was time for him to step aside. Well, and a question for that, just for clarification. So it was my understanding beforehand that if you were the empress and or the emperor, that you would be the top of the pyramid and you would be like the president or the CEO of the company for the year. But you just mentioned a board. Has the has there always been that backstage board throughout? I can't say that there's always been, but certainly since since we've been around, there's always there's always been. Yeah. Certainly yeah. since the fundraising started. I like to think of the Emperor and Empress as the elected figureheads, but also the fundraising captains for the year. That's the term I like to use, is that they're they're the ones proposing the fundraisers, choosing where the money goes, um, and putting on the events, but the board is there making the hard decisions behind the scenes. Um, because we are, uh, we are an official not-for-profit organization. I mean, part of the laws are having a board and having meetings and, you know, we are a legit organization and we have rules that we have to follow. And that includes having the board, you know, the, policy, the procedures and the protocol, the crowns and the gowns is all the face in the show. But there is a real legal, legit working team behind the scenes. Absolutely. Um, I don't know if any of if you, Douglas, or, or you, Diva, or any of the listeners have, have been checking out the ECAMP podcast that are also doing a lot of LGBTQI history. Um, but they did one recently that they were talking about drag kings in, in, in and around Reign 32. Um, and how this troop of drag kings had been rejected from participating in the court. And I think that was a, a, a lot coming from the board. We still can't really figure out what happened. And obviously we can't, we cannot ask, ask Schaefer, not that we'd get a straight answer out of him anyway. Um, but yeah, there, that, that year was the first time I really saw the damage that can happen when a board and upper house are, are in conflict. And um, luckily I don't think anything has ever happened as extreme since. Um, but, but like Godiva said, the board is the board is there to manage the business and the the, the, the title holders are there to, to look pretty. <laughs> but they still have to work hand in hand. And, yeah, um, absolutely. And for sure, and I mean, you know, getting the sense that it was doomed from the start. And unfortunately, I mean, we hope 
uh, subsequent years have uh, definitely tried to uh, mend the bridges and uh, reach out hands and you know and learn from our past mistakes so that hopefully these things don't happen again. So it's, that's great to know because that then leads to the next house. And this is when I became aware of the court. And part of that had to do with the empress uh, that was chosen uh, that year. The 33rd Imperial House of Tool and Other Pleasurable Devices, Empress Marnie Gras, Emperor Sundance Lone Star, Princess Kelsey Breeze, Prince Big Daddy Pump, Duchess Ivana Diamonds and Duke Randy Quiver. Yeah, that was a a watershed year in the court. It really did change the organization at its most fundamental level. Probably, and obviously I wasn't there. Probably the biggest change in the organization since the since 1984 Reign Eight when fundraising became part of it. Um, rain 33, the ball moved back to August. So it was a 16 month rain. Um, Marnie, Marnie's story, which was one of family, one of grief, one of love, um, resonated with so many people that the court got a lot of mainstream media attention, including some big name sponsors, um, which did make mean that people like you that had never heard about the court, um, all of a sudden were hearing about the court. Obviously, you already brought up that that was the year that the, the court got introduced to the, the legislature. Um, and really, um, Marnie completed what, what, Le what Godiva was saying that Leia had started about, about turning the court into a business. Um, in, in the earlier reigns, yes, we were giving away money and every reign was successful. Um, one of the first lessons um, Vera ever taught me about the court was that if a show raises $5, that's $5 more that that charity has than you had when you started. Um, but we were not giving away anywhere near the kind of money that started in Rain 33. So. It's the, one of the first Rains I remember where money was also being given um, to things that weren't necessarily um, a queer organization. Um, our fundraising was always for our bursary, but, you know, Kara's House, HIV Edmonton, the Pride Center, AIDS Research, um, I, I, I'm sure money went other places as well, but one of the big things, and again, the story of family was that, you know, our money went and bought physical items at the NICU, and I believe they are still there and they are still uh, plaqued as donated from the ISCWR. Um, but it, it also, like, in my mind, it, you know, opened up the world of fundraising to say like, hey, you know, we're, we can, we can, these other things affect the queer community, you know, um, these chairs are necessary for queer people as well. Diabetes affects queer people, you know, heart and stroke affect queer people. So, you know, it broadened where we give our money as well. So it, in, in my recollection. Yeah, the the pom-poms just everywhere and Marnie in the cheerleading outfit uh, just everywhere uh, sticks out in my mind. Uh, I need to make mention of a prince here as well because to this point in Tales of the LGBTQ+, uh, we haven't mentioned him yet, but he's been a big part of 
many of our lives. And so let's uh, make mention of him properly here. The Prince for this year, Big Daddy Pump. Yeah, absolutely. Big Daddy, I think I think he was on the board for Reign 32. I think during all the chaos of that board, he ended up getting the presidency thrust upon him. Um, almost, almost as like some sort of puppet or scapegoat. 32, the, the, board, the board was ugly on 32. Um, but I'm really glad he got that opportunity. And again, um, like Godiva had said earlier about Leia, setting new people up for the reigns to come. This reign really did as well. Big Daddy, Kelsey, um, Ivana. Um, I can't remember the rest of the reign. But yeah, um, all, all, all three of them would carry the organization through its next six, seven, eight years. Let's move on to the 34th Imperial House, Tons of Fun. Empress Ivana Diamonds, Emperor Big Daddy Pump, Princess Godiva, Prince Rob Big Onion, Duchess Kitty LaBear, and Duke Jeffy Lube Express. They say it was tons of fun. Was it or was it not? It was tons of fun and both of us have hard times remembering certain parts of it. Uh, yeah, I didn't tell you what happened during that year. Um, um, yeah, no. Big Daddy and Ivana, um, I think in the year before with Marnie, they, they also really made their mark on the city and abroad. And, um, and that is a legacy that they carried forward and that they both still carry forward is that the connections that they made, not just in the city, but to the wider um, court organization in general is um, with, you know, with um, newer, newer reigns in other courts um, and in American courts was a, was a huge step for them. They got us involved, I think, probably that year too, maybe the year after, in um, a little bit more of international court council politics. Um, certainly, I hadn't really seen any of it before. I know um, Aura and Teddy had uh, international court council here during uh, Reign 12, but um, certainly in in my time in from 24 to 34, I hadn't really seen much much of that. But they got the court a little bit more involved in politically running the whole the whole system. Um, but yeah, I think my biggest memories in that year, I guess, would be would have been the the traveling. We had some some great time with some friends on the the circuit. There was a, a great bunch of queens, especially in Regina and Winnipeg. Um, Godiva was probably barred from both of those cities for her behavior during that year. But. I've been back since, but I I definitely made my mark on the cities as a as a one of the last. Uh, Wild Party Children of Canada. Um, yes, I did have to, after a rather boisterous evening in Winnipeg, be chastised by my Empress Ivana. Sorry. Um, after, you know, sharing my gin with a few too many uh, people who might not have wanted it. Um, yeah, but I, it, for me, it, it, it introduced, um, I had traveled to Calgary, but it was, for me, it was, it opened my eyes to the amazing um, courts in our country, and big and because Big Daddy and Nirvana were so beloved, it made my introduction just feel so natural. And because I was a bit of a you know wild party child then, not now, but then, um, you know, they could be regal and stoic, stoic, and I could be you know 
sloppily drinking gin out of a bucket with, you know, the queens from uh, Winnipeg and Regina. See, and that was part of the shift in professionalism that was happening at this time. Um, in the, the late 20s, when there was a court show at a bar, the bar would be happy even if nobody came except court people because we were all a big bunch of drunks. Now we had monarchs that were not um, alcohol centric in their plans for the evenings and expected that of their upper houses. So um, that, was, that was a tweak, right? We are out there doing a job. We are raising money for our charities. That is our primary duty. Um, get, getting drunk, having fun, that they can come after the work is done. What were the uh, major productions or shows that took place this year? Or that year, I should say. Oh, we, we didn't do a production show. Oh. No, there's not, there's certainly, every year does not have a production show, but um, this, so this would have been 2008, no, 2009, 2010? Marnie stepped down in 2010, so this is 2010 into 2011. Um, there was a lot of change going on in the city. Um, like that, this is boots closing, play closing, junction opening. Um, yeah, we we didn't do it. Big Daddy and Ivana were not, they're not production show kind of people. Um, we got them in one in 36, but that's just, that wasn't, that wasn't their thing, so. Um, that's fair. Uh, I also need just to uh, highlight the Duchess Kitty LaBear, otherwise known as Dwayne Holm. Uh, he always gets a kick when he gets mentioned in any of my episodes, which seemed to be a lot for a while. So he is just the mascot of this um, <laughs> podcast, it seems. We are still waiting for Empress Kitty LaBear. Yeah. There we go, Dwayne. That the, the people are talking. Well, you can be Emperor Dwayne if you want. I don't care. It's 2021. <laughs> the 35th Imperial House of the Lady and the Tramp, 101 puppies in tow, Empress D. Love, Emperor L.J. Steele, Princess Daisy Chain, Prince Jeffy Lube Express, Duchess Kara Esmatic, ah, get it once again, it takes me a while, and Duke J.J. Velour. I think right now would be an excellent time to stop and just mention the emperor for this year, LJ Steele. LJ um, was amazing. I always, I, I never really was that close with him though, because I, I was quite envious of LJ. Um, he had this choreography skill that came super easy to him. And as a complete white boy rhythm, I could not dance. And so I was, I was very jealous of that. He was super outgoing which um, I had to work to do, especially before I became sober. Like, so I, I was quite um, envious of um, LJ. Um, when Godiva and I were running for Big Daddy and Ivana's Prince and Princess, LJ was also running for, for Prince and I was convinced not only that I was going to lose, but that that was the way that Godiva wanted it to end up because they had had a very successful year reigning as gays, whereas Godiva and I had worked together at Buddies and Woodies and maybe not quite as successful because I was on less. Um, but yeah, um, LJ was an amazing addition to the court and to the circuit. He had a knack for mentoring um, anyone, but especially maybe like the, the misfits or, or, or other people that weren't automatically welcomed by, by other people because it can be a little clicky. Diva? I knew LJ for years. Um from uh yeah from being mr gay and then i don't remember 
necessarily wanting the crown to go one way or another. Um, certainly LJ was something that I knew, but I also knew and had worked with you. Um, I remember being a little jealous when LJ ran because I wasn't ready. And I don't think Rob was ready to take it on again. You'd step, taken a step back to be Prince. Um, so, you know, but I was happy to be uh, LJ's first wife or first concubine or whatever it is he wanted to call me. And um, I always got a little joy rubbing that little snub in uh, Dee's throat uh, or in D, tweaking Dee's nose with that. Um, they had such an amazing year though. Um, and LJ, LJ, was a such a powerhouse and uh you know that they managed to do great things they did a production show they did um a production show of of glee that year glee was really big so they did a production show called glee which was all numbers all numbers from from glee um drag is already requiring the audiences to, to stretch um credulity sometimes when it comes to oh you know you don't necessarily look like the gender you're portraying well glee require them to stretch away. You don't look anything like the age that you're supposed to be portraying. This is the oldest high school in the history. <laughs> I love it. Now, uh, for people who are not part of the court who will be listening to this later on, uh, later on LJ Steele is no longer with us, unfortunately. Uh, he did pass away a few years ago and his, uh, his loss is still felt within the community uh, today and forevermore. And so definitely somebody that everyone should check into to find out more about. Um, because as you mentioned, Rob, uh, he was a mentor to the quote unquote misfits and he seemed to have that time for everyone uh, during that time. So I just want to take uh, that time just to elevate L LJ and make sure that um, we recognize his efforts with the Imperial Court of the Sovereign Rose. Oh, wait a minute. The Imperial Sovereign Court of the Wild Rose. Oh, boy. I'll, I'll edit that part out later because I have... You're going to get it eventually by the end of Carrie and Tanner's podcast, maybe. Oh, maybe. And then you're going to have to memorize it all again for Calgary, so... Oh, Lord. Just now, call them Imperial Sovereign Court of the Wild Rose South. Oh, <laughs> I, I like that. I love it. <laughs> or the alternates the 36th imperial house this one confuses me greatly when i took a look again i know a little bit about the background but i definitely want to know more about this the 36th imperial house of everything that was old is new again the circle of life continues up to this point there's one empress one emperor this year empress Ivana Diamonds, Empress Layaway, Empress Marnie Gras. With our emperors, we had Emperor Big Daddy Pump, Emperor Jim McBride, Emperor Rob Big Onion, Princess Vanity Fair, Prince Stiffy Steel, Duchess Clara T, and Duke Eust Bob. See, nobody wanted to run that year. Um, oh. When LJ and D were, were winding down their year and we sent out the call for applications. Nobody applied. So it had to go to a Regency and nobody wanted to take the Regency. So it was decided that a team would do it. We're like, well, none of us want to do it on our own, but we'll do it with you and you and you and you. So the, the six of us 
took that on. And the whole point of the year was to, again, set up some future years. So like we had Vanity and Stiffy um, and just Bob who all would go on to become monarchs in their own rights. But we did three production shows that year. That was a lot of fun. You even closed the ball out with a production show. We did. We did Lion King at the ball because we didn't want to do... Um, when we have that many reigning monarchs, we don't all want to do last walks, Imperial Sovereign Court of the Chinook Arch, I'm talking to you. So we did a production show instead. Calgary's got um, like a dozen monarchs right now because they're also having a regency here. So uh, we did Lion King, um, Avenue Q and Rocky, maybe, maybe Little Shop. Don't really remember. It all blurs together. Rocky I think we did Rocky Horror, Avenue Q and Lion King. You know, it tells tells you that my musical skills are off sometimes because you mentioned Rocky and I'm like, I don't remember Sylvester Stallone singing at all. So that would have been a confusing one to me. But you know, I'm the only time the only time that Rocky ever factors into Edmonton drag history is when we start talking about the Stardust Lounge. because That was their, their intro music was the theme from Rocky. <laughs> well, there we go. It, is it hard sometimes to finish out the year as an emperor and empress? Because it sounds like the amount of travel that one has to do, the um, the commitments could be very overwhelming for people. So I'm shocked that this year, the 36th reign that we're talking about, that we have multiple. So I'm shocked it took until here for this to happen. But can, can you, or Rob, I guess in this case, can you talk about it's a lot you know, commitment. It is. It's a, it's, a, it's a big commitment. Um, it was more back then. There's um, less travel requirements now, but you know what it is when you're getting into it. And the travel um, and the circuit is is what makes us different than just a bunch of drag performers raising money for charity, because we could do that easily without without being a court. Um, but being on the circuit, connecting with those with those courts in other cities, um, is is what elevates us to a, a an international organization. Uh, but you know all those requirements getting in. So hopefully you've picked an upper house that's going to help you get through it. Hopefully you have a supportive um, employer and, and partner, and hopefully you have a cooperative board. And that, that makes the year go a lot easier. If you don't have any of those things, then good luck. The 37th Imperial House of Runaway Gypsy Brides and Latex Wife Beaters, Empress Vanity Fair, Emperor J.J. Velour, Princess Kitty LaBear, Prince Yist Bob, Duchess Tequila Mockingbird, and Duke Genuine, Genuine Velour. That was the year that Vanity Fair closed more bars than COVID. It's such a tough year for them. Uh, every time they'd set up shop in a bar, um, the bar would close. Even some of the bars that weren't necessarily... Like the Mercury Room, I think she closed that also. Like bars that weren't yeah. uh, traditionally, you know, LGBTQ spaces uh, still couldn't last. And it was just a random happenstance of events that, uh, but they struggled through and made, you know. They did, they did great. I think that, I think they had a, I think they had a great year. Um, Junction closed at the beginning of the year. Like they were stepping up just as Junction was announcing that they were shutting down. Um, and then they were stepping down just as Evolution announced that they were opening. Um, 
I was watching from Calgary, seeing how many bars she was closing down. There was no way in hell I was going to let us open up a bar during her reign. Um, but uh, upstairs open, they, 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 did, they did great. Like, like they, we don't, we try not to compare money from year to year, but they gave away just as much money as everybody else was giving at the time. They just had to work a hell of a lot harder for it. So, kudos for them. Yes, I've got a story to share for both this year, but I will not share that at all. But Farley, if you are listening, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. That's what I will say about that. Let's quickly move on what? to the You're going to have to tell us what Miss Foo-Foo, Miss Farley Foo-Foo has to say about this after we log off, okay? Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, I will. And that was my year that I became involved in the court in some way. The never told before story. The 38th <laughs> Imperial House of Royal Crowns and Crown Royal. Empress Daisy Chain, Emperor Jeffy Lube Express, Princess Kelsey Breeze, Prince Jacques Strap, Duchess Myra Maines, and Duke Randy Quiver. A married couple leading the way at the top. I don't know that that had ever happened before. We had certainly seen married couples back to back, kind of like with Dinah and Vera. Um, I think having a couple that was so in sync um, was a strong asset for the year. Daisy had just retired mm -hmm. um, just before stepping up. Um, so that definitely freed up her schedule to really focus. Um, and she had a, a strong connection to her charity. So that made a huge difference too. It was, it was a it was a big financial success that year. Absolutely, um, they, they did really ground up great. I was proud to be part of that. And with Jeffy Lube Express as well, you really got to see the steps because I believe, if I remember right, he went Duke to Prince to Emperor. He he held the different yeah. titles and really grew into that role that um, came to be when he was the emperor that year. And now they're living on the East Coast, and maybe he'll start again as Duchess. Maybe. Duchess, that house Duchess, out there? Duchess Lubadoo of Halifax. Yeah, that house out there is gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, so I'll say that right now to Daisy and Jeffy. Were they the first um, year that did the calendar, or did we do it the year before that as well? Well, we had certainly done calendars before. There was a calendar in Dinah and Gary's year. There was a calendar in Ron okay. and Gary's year. Um, but it came back. I don't remember. No, Vanity had the calendar because she had the, that was the Disney theme. Or like that was the one where, like, didn't they do a Disney theme for Vanity? Because it was her with the seven dwarfs or something. I don't oh. remember. But but then, yeah, Jeff and Daisy did the, the Zodiac calendar. Cause the Zodiac I'm, calendar. I'm, I'm still right. traumatized by the Scorpio picture. It's just me and some like leather codpiece fighting D with the sword. It like, is oh, quite traumatizing. Oh, um, I might have to share it or if I can find it somewhere. Uh, I will share the pictures of you looking not like this. Oh, well, no, they, but mine was, I guess, the year before. It wasn't a Disney theme. I don't know if it was movies or whatever, because we did Tequila, oh, you did, Stiff, yeah, and I did Jeff Becomes Her, yeah. uh, the cover, which is, uh, and I don't remember what happened to our photographer. Uh, they were simply fantastic, but they, yeah, they did amazing work. And uh, but they moved on and uh, took on different projects. But uh, yeah, some of some of the amazing stuff uh, and amazing queens of the time and uh, Edmonton, you know, uh, royalty from that era 
we all put in a little uh, spotlight in those couple of years of calendars. But I do know when we've tried to put calendars back together again, it's like they're a nightmare to plan. So I mean, like kudos to those years that did them because they are, yeah, they're they're so hard to plan. Wrangle that many people into getting photos done and outfits and sets and the whole bit. So. Were the calendars at least January to December, or was that the year that we tried to do them August to August? I think we tried to do one and one, or yeah, I don't remember now, but no one's buying yeah. a calendar in August. Let's put it like that. <laughs> the 39th Imperial House of La 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 Leather Lads and Luscious Ladies, Empress Kelsey Breeze, Emperor Jacques Strap, Princess Lyria Lust. Prince KPK Carr, Duke Prince Charmin. 40th, the 40th Imperial House of Glitz, Glam, and a Side of Ham, Empress Myra Maines, Emperor Yusbob, Princess Carrie Duway, Prince David Dragon, Duchess Christy Healy, Duke Trey Park Trash. Now, see, Myra, who we've already talked about, was was Stiffy. Stiffy ran for 37 against JJ and um, and lost, but in, like, literally the closest loss probably in court history. It was, like, two votes separating them. But he was like, fine, if they don't want me as a boy, I'll start doing drag. And he went on to be an amazing empress. Princess Carrie Duway will be here on Tales of the LGBTQ+, but she's currently Empress. So we're going to talk to Empress uh, Carrie Duway and Emperor uh, Tanner Steele two days from now, Thursday, 7 p.m. Mountain, live here on YouTube. The 41st Imperial House of Glamrock and Peacocks, Empress Ruby Hyman, Emperor Bulldozer, Princess Morgan Fair, Prince Jack and Ginger. The 42nd Imperial House. Actually, let's, we can go back to we can go back to that. When you had asked a question earlier about how difficult it was to fulfill commitments, and that was that year was certainly indicative of that. Like they did start off with a with a six-person upper house, and then they lost they lost a couple over the course of the year of people that um just have, just have to step down. Um, now, in the case of this, the, the prince stepped down, so they elevated the duke, which was a bit of a anomaly, but um, perfectly acceptable. It was still someone that did have some votes from the community. So, um, But yeah, it, it, it does happen. And does that oh. mean that the board takes on extra responsibility that year, or is it more the empress and emperor, princess, and then in this case, the new uh, prince, having to really add more to their shoulders? I think I was president of the board that year, so I certainly didn't do anything extra. Good I think it's interesting to mention, like both of these people were recent transplants as well. Um, both of them had mm. recently moved from Calgary, where Bulldozer had actually reigned as emperor in Calgary. Uh, Ruby Hyman was living in Calgary, originally from Regina. She was a past Ms. Gay Regina. And I don't know if she was a duchess in Calgary or just an entertainer of the year. She held a title in Calgary's court, I believe. But yeah, they moved here and then, um, and were quite recent, I believe. No? Yeah, Bull would have only, 
Bull would have only have been here a couple years. He moved up here in 2013. Yeah. He moved up here like just in Jeff and Daisy's year. And Ruby was not living here when she competed for Anne's the first time. So, right. Uh, right. so Ruby would have literally just moved here. I think Bull was probably the first time that we had a Edmonton Emperor or Empress who had been Emperor or Empress in another city. I can't think of anyone else. There have been some that have been <laughs> in Edmonton and then reigned in other cities. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, a comment section uh, said Ruby was entertainer in Calgary. Ruby is entertaining in any city. So they're tenor. <laughs> the 42nd Imperial House of Bear Hugs and Big Jugs. Empress Kenya DeWitt. Emperor Trela Park Trash. Princess Divina Dyfor. Prince Harvey Steele. Duchess Carrie DeWay, Duke Dixon Cunts. Now, um, I guess we first need to find out if Tanner wants us to go back in and change that name, Harvey Steele, to Tanner Steele. Um, you can let us know in the comments. Um, that year was, um, there, there'd been a competition for Emperor that year as well. Um, Trey was running against Lonnie. Lonnie passed away during campaign um, that year, uh, four years ago in two days, actually. Lonnie would be LJ Steele. Lonnie would be LJ Steele. Um, so that was that certainly started the year out under under a cloud. That's um, because the organization has been around for so long, and we work together, and we socialize together, and we fundraise together. We we do get really close. So when we when we lose one of our own, it and 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 when I say one of ours, I mean the whole core community, like. LJ's death was felt internationally. Um, yeah, it, it really it, it really affects the entire organization. Um, that being said, they went on to do amazing things. Um, I believe, and again, we don't we don't compare, but I believe that's the most money that was ever given out in one reign. Um, they broke the fifty thousand mark, um, and. I think there's a, a lot of reasons for that. Um, again, um, Kenya had a, a strong connection to her charity and encouraged that charity to participate in the fundraising, which I think is really important. There's nothing worse than raising money for someone like the Canadian Cancer Society and that, you know, we're giving them $10,000 that we busted our asses to, to do and they can't even show up the ball to pick up the check. But um, volunteers from EFRI were at tons of events during the year. So that certainly contributed to that success. That coronation was the year that um, Nicole was in town. Nicole the Great, the titular head of the international court system. Um, and when Trey was running, she looked at him and said, are you sure you want to be crowned as Trey Park Trash? Emperor Trey Park Trash. And she went on and on berating him to change his name because uh, I think she just didn't want him to look back and think of himself as trashy. So um, but, um, uh, she can be very opinionated and uh, she will let you know those opinions. She, um, I think Trey took it the wrong way. He probably took it to mean, oh, you don't think I should be an emperor? Because, you know, of course, <laughs> then, he, then he became increasingly cinnamon bonbon or, <laughs> or sorry, Trey, I still don't know your name. Um, I want to give a shout out to, I, I have thought of one of those monarchs that reigned here and then went and reigned in another city. And the trailer park trash made me think of it. Um, Emperor 18, Tony Curtis went on to become Empress 13, Elevator of Toronto. And their ball theme was 
trash is only as good as the trailer it parks next to. So, love it, love it. Uh, we do have a comment here, um, I believe from Tanner Steele. Um, Add in Divina almost dying in Regina. Yeah, Divina. Um, My apologies, Divina. So Divina die for. Apparently, what she dies for is dairy. Um, <laughs> she, she, um, like I don't know if it was just just an allergy. I don't really remember how it went, but she, like, it was well, not good. She has a very, very, very severe yeah, allergy, like, and uh, they had some pizza at the end of the night, and. Uh, I believe the story goes, she disappeared and was uh, wound, walked, her, I think she walked herself to the Medicenter and then got to the hospital that way. And I believe it was a while before anybody even knew where she was. And we just thought she disappeared. And, and it was quite serious, um, you know, and you know, we, we can have a little giggle about it now because everything turned out fine. But uh, yeah, at the time it was very, very serious. And just, uh, I believe just a culinary oversight and, uh, yeah, so you know, we're certainly happy Davina is still with us, even though she's relocated to Calgary. Uh, we hope to see more of her for sure. Calgary needs the star power. Well, we don't mind lending them our little Davina. Um, <laughs> one of the other things I think that was really great about Rain Forty Two was that it proved the importance of building on the successes of previous rains. I think it was Bull and Ruby that um, were raising money for um, Living Positive and. Um, Living Positive then turned around and offered um, the court uh, participation in one of their casinos in during Rain 42. Um, and uh, um, like Tashina and Tanner and, and Trey put in like 18 hour days, but got thousands of dollars from that weekend. So um, the relationships that we form with our charities are just as important as we form with our, with our venues and sponsors and each other. Excellent. And um, shout out to Tashina as well, who is watching as she has made a mention about Tanner's name. So it has been updated. Uh, we're getting close to the current house, which who we'll talk to on Thursday. But the 43rd Imperial House of S-H-A-D-E Shade, which stands for Strength, Helping, Adventure, Diversity and Excitement. Empress Morgan Fair, Emperor David Dragon, Princess Sister Mary Clarence, Prince Angelo Mercy, Duchess Rexy Resurrection, Duke Chris D. Bear. I have some stories I can talk about with that rain, I guess. Please um, do. Davina is, or not Davina. See, I'm still, talking, still stuck back on the last rain. Um, Morgan is one of the examples, I think, of the transformative power of drag when she started doing drag. Um, she was so shy, and to see her blossom so fast into an empress is, is really just a testament to the power of drag. Her and David um, ended up doing an, an amazing job that year. Um, I had someone else I was going to talk. Who else was in that upper house? Sister Mary. Yeah. Sister Mary. Sister Mary, um, as princess, she wanted to be there for Morgan. Her and Morgan were quite good friends. Um, she didn't wasn't really biting into the court apple as far as like the circuit and traveling kind of thing. And it really was one of the rare times that um, rather than the organization trying to force someone to do what we do the way that we do it, the, the court really took a step back and, and listened and adapted ourselves to the circumstances. So it's just proof that even after 44 years, 45 years, 46 years, 
um, we can still learn and grow and evolve as an organization too. Hmm. And I think like, it's good to mention that David is somebody who had been involved with the court for almost as long as I can remember. Um, David and his husband, Walter, had sat on the board and had quite frequently, you know, been out at events, but had been, you know, the people behind the scenes, right? And so I, I believe he had been Prince, um, but, um, you know, this was a chance for, you know, the people that, you know, put in the work without the, the glitter and the glamour, stepping forward and, you know, taking the spotlight for themselves. Now, let's just, pause there not we're not to say that david was not glittery because he'd learned from the school of Yoth bob where um even though they were boy performers they outsparkled the empress on many many an occasion <laughs> between the, the bling and the the glittery jackets and that reminds me i need to give both a call the 44th imperial house of bejeweled prairie dogs and divine dynamite divas Emperor Chris DeBear, Princess Gigi Gaynor, Prince Harry Schnitzel, Duchess Novagina. And now, Empress Lola Moore. Empress Lola Moore, your list is not quite accurate. So that's my question there because Lola was not listed there. Uh, Lola left halfway through. Uh, what can you say about everything there? And we well, can say it out later as well. We can, we can say anything you want. Um, I, like it's it's nothing is nothing is secret, right? It's just mm -hmm. sometimes does rehashing it do any good? Um, Lola, Lola left. Um, Lola abdicated her title um, under a mess of circumstances. Not all of which was her fault. Um, a, a lot of people made decisions, the, the best decisions that they could make for the information they had at the time. Um, if you refresh it, Lola's now added to Sheena's Cut That Face. Yes, um, yeah, put that right there as well. And I just refreshed and there she is. But but in the end, um, the circumstances resolved themselves in such a manner that um, we were happy to welcome Lola back into the fold. And she will be doing her step down performance at Coronation. Although it's technically an anniversary walk, but then she didn't get a step down. That's the way I'm treating it. Lola is another one that had been around, involved in the court for forever, um, and and then boom, um, right right to the big crown. She was Miss Merry Christmas, as she will happily tell you, and has she signed every single Facebook post and email and text message right up until she had Empress, um, and. Yeah, we were quite happy to have her empress just so we could stop hearing that she was Miss Merry Christmas. Love you, Lola. <laughs> Love it. They, they they began obviously, you know, the the challenging reign. They had many challenges, um, you know, with Lola stepping back, and then within I, I think within weeks, COVID shutdown started happening. And, you know, it was definitely a wrench thrown into that. And um, but the organization, um, the upper house, Chris, Gigi, Harry, like they just, they kept going, they kept plugging away. And, you know, when they weren't raising money, they were making sandwiches, giving them yeah. out. And they weren't, I lost a light. Um, when they 
Now we see how you really look. <laughs> oh, wait. That didn't change anything. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they um, they really stepped up to the task during COVID and, um, and certainly, you know, dabbled a little bit in what can and cannot happen and set the stage for, uh, you know, for ideas to take off in the next train, for sure. Now, Quinn, as um, Prince Harry Schnitzel that year, started um, a little donation box at um, Paul Kane Park, where people can just go drop off. People that have extra food can go drop drop it off in this box. People that need food can go get it. Those boxes, are, I think there's now 13 or 14 of them spread out all over the city, um, doing amazing things, these little boxes. Um, and starting next week, I believe, um, there will also be a way for people to donate school supplies so that families that don't have the money um, to buy the buy their kids the supplies that they need with, with school starting back up, we're gonna be able to, to also use those boxes for that. So the fact that that project um, was a COVID project um, and it has continued on and, and only continued to grow is certainly looking back over the 20 years that I've been involved, one of the, and I had nothing to do with this project, but one of the things that I'm most proud of, proudest of um, both when it comes to the organization. Yeah, Harry Schnitzel, also known as Quinn Wade, doing a little plug here. You can definitely go back to the archives of Tales of the LGBTQ+, because there's a one-on-one -on -one interview with Quinn where he talks about his life, where he fits in with the LGBTQ plus community, and he definitely talked about the Love Good Boxes and the genesis of it. So do take the time to seek that information out. You can find it on YouTube if you want to watch our faces, or if not, you can listen to it through audio. We've come to this end here in a way. We have one more house to talk about, but I'm going to save that for Thursday because on Thursday, Carrie Duway and Tanner Steele will be joining Tales of the LGBTQ Plus to talk about this past year, why they stepped up during this year of COVID, talk about the challenges, but also the successes and what they would love to see as their legacy. Uh, I know that they're listening to this podcast right now, so I gave them a little bit of an idea as to what to be prepared for for Thursday. Rob and Godiva, you've shared so much information uh, with us tonight and like fantastic to hear just some of the stories. And, and I feel that many times we're just touching upon things. Rob, you wrote a part two that's part of ECAMP, ECAMP standing for Edmonton City as Museum Project. Ron Byers wrote part one talking about the first 20 years you wrote about the last 20 years. So I highly recommend everybody finding that link. I will make sure that I include that in the show notes, uh, wherever you will be listening to this. Uh, quick question for you, Rob. How important was it for you to write such an article about the history of the Imperial Sovereign Court of the Wild Rose? I think it was super important. Um, obviously, I, I like writing. I like queer history. I've been involved with the organization for a long time, and I just wanted to make sure that those stories are captured. Now, obviously, um, in that article and this this podcast tonight, we've deliberately shied away from some of the some of the dark sides and ugly moments, because in the end, in, in the end, those just really aren't aren't that important in defining who we are. Um, 
but just to, to make sure that that um, history is out there, um, I think that the organization's probably given out over a million dollars in its 46 years. Um, that, that's tremendous. It's been around for 46 years. Like that's like vanity's age. Like um, that's, it's just wonderful. And I'm, I, I was glad to be able to document that and work with, work with Ron on that project. Um, and yeah, I, I'm just, I'm just proud that um, I've been part of this for 20 years. Yeah. Uh, for the people who are uh, watching on YouTube, and I'm going to say this out loud for our audio listeners, you can find out more information about the Imperial Sovereign Court of the Wild Rose at www.iscwr.ca. Again, that link will be found in the show notes. To learn more about the international court system uh, that was created and Edmonton has taken um cues from it but also have thrown away the rules of the international court system whenever they want you can find more information about that at internationalcourtsystem.org hey the last two weeks have all been talking about this court here in edmonton northern alberta and it's giving back to the community since 1976 which is absolutely brilliant what do you both see as being the lasting legacy for the Imperial Sovereign Court of the Wild Rose? Connection. Um, we give money away, we do, we do good works, we do fundraising, but the people that are in the organization, um, hopefully we build a bond within the city, but then within the greater organization as well. Um, and hopefully like we can connect with those charities. We can, you know, the people whose lives that we touch through good deeds. And um, I remember many, many, many years ago, um, Sue, uh, lesbian Sue, uh, she had taken one of our bursaries, put herself through school, and when she was settled, she gave that money back. Those are the connections we make. Um, the court is an agent for change in the city. Um, it's a family. Um, certainly, like any family, it's dysfunctional at times. Um, it is far from perfect. Um, but... Um, the connections that the, the people form with each other in the organization, the connections that we can form with, with venues. Um, we help, we help people grow. We help people become their, um, their best, their best selves, um, their authentic selves. Um, we're, a, we're a home. We're a, we're, we're, we're so many things. Like I actually get super emotional about it. And I think that's partly because I'm getting so old. And partly because we're we're about to do this again, and I'm really excited to have the opportunity to do this with a really good friend who I have been pushing to run for Empress for maybe next year and maybe next year for the last decade, it feels like. Um, and I really am proud of what the last two reigns have accomplished under under tremendous duress and stress. And so the opportunity to, to build on that legacy. Um, and in the end, yeah, the legacy, like Godiva said, is just comes down to connection. Yeah. Uh, when those tears start to fall on camera, can you please bring your cl camera closer to your face? Because I always love having those Barbara Walters moments. <laughs> and I would love to be able to have those Rob Borowski tears on screen. Hey, you've uh, mentioned this here as well. 
August 14th, Saturday, 2021, the coronation that is coming up. Um, can you tell us more about what people will have um, to see and do that night if they wish to attend? Well, they'll get to see an amazing show featuring anniversary performances from many of the monarchs that have been discussed in the um, in the last two two podcasts. So in the last three hours of, of people talking about the history of the organization, they'll get to see performances from the candidates, whoever, who are those candidates? Oh, wait, us. Um, and and some, some special in-town and out-of-town guests. But they can also just come vote. It voting is a yes versus no. Friday. Voting is Friday from five to eight. And where does voting take place? At the Westmount Community Hall from five till eight. You need to be a member, uh, or not a member, sorry, you need to be a resident of Alberta, Red Deer North. Um, come vote. If you cannot stay for the show, that's okay. Just come and vote and uh, show your support for us and for the organization that way. So, I mean, we, we'd look, we want you to come see the show. Don't get me wrong. But if you have other things going on and you can't, just all you have to do is come by and vote and uh, let us know uh, whether you want us or not. Oh, and the, um, on the, the Saturday, of course, the 45th rain is also going to give away all of their money. Um, some students will be very happy with big bursary checks. This rain um, focused on, on bursary. They, they, they raise money for other things too, but bursary has been their focus. And that's been wonderful to see. It'll certainly make a big difference in a lot of students' lives. And of course, the Sunday afternoon um, at Evolution, in the afternoon, there is a victory party um, celebrating Emperor and Empress 46, whoever they may be. Um, should there be a no vote, that party will be on the sidewalk outside the bar. <laughs> and I'm just giggling away. Um, my birthday is on August the 13th. And perhaps I can just say that for my birthday, I would love for people to show up and do a yes vote for Godiva and Rob, <laughs> of course. I mean, I've done it three times, so do I need to do it a fourth? I mean, we're not allowed to talk about past titles. I am just a candidate. I know I no idea what I'm talking about. Thank gosh I didn't have to do all the previous titles. I'm still winded from having to do layaways from last week. So that's for sure. Um, one final question for both of you here. Um, we're obviously we're coming up to the 50th year of of the creation of and the legacy of what do you both for that 50th year when that takes place and if you want to be emperor and empress that year are you all starting to do your campaigns right now well you really should be because i think some people are already quite planning that would that be Gold? Is 50 gold? Sure. I don't know. Is 50 diamond? I don't know. No, but maybe 50 is golden. 50 is golden, yeah. So we don't have any gold in the title. We have. We, we already had a ruby. We already had a, a diamond. So I guess we need a... If some new drag queen hits the circuit with the last name gold, we know what she's planning. Um, I think, like, I have no doubts that we're going to be there when we hit 50, which is tremendous. Um, should Godiva and I be elected, we'll be lucky enough to be reigning during the 50th anniversary of 
courts in Canada in Vancouver next next spring, which is very exciting. Um, Kenya and Tanner have already declared their candidacy for Emperor and Empress 50. So exclusive. Because they've started campaigning, I will ensure that they're disqualified. I, I, I really encourage everybody to get involved. I know that Godiva and I would really like this year to be another one of those years where we're setting people up for future success. Um, the people that we are planning on having in our upper house, um, we all believe in. They are all future Emperor and Empresses. Maybe they will be 50. I don't know. And we hope to mentor many more people. Like, yeah, like what Rob was saying, like setting the stage and, you know, letting people know, like, you know, you have what it takes, you know, take the next step, do it. So. Yeah. And, and getting involved and hoping that they see the connections, that they make the connections. And even if they don't or are not able to run for emperor and empress, that connection still lives inside them. I mean, you know, we have many people who are involved and will never see the stage, you know, Kari, Shauna, you know, John Kerr, um, Walter, so many people that have sat on the board, supported our organization. Um, and, you know, they make those connections as well. Like you don't have to be on stage to do it. Yeah. Uh, previous guests, Pam and Karen uh, Hoffman mentioned many times, both on video and just personally knowing them, how much going to the shows uh, with the court saved lives. You save lives. It's so important. Godiva, Rob, thank you so much for uh, taking that baton from Layaway and Ron Byers and going through more years than they did, in fact. Yeah, it's a lot of work. It's exhausting itself. So thank you both. Uh, good luck in the upcoming week. And we look forward to a fantastic reign as you look over this mag majestic land. Thanks for having us. Thank you so very, very much for letting us be part of this. And uh, there were definitely some big shoes to fill with uh, Ron and Leah. So, I hope some of the short stories we shared, you know, either brought back memories for some people or uh, shone a light on uh, memories that people didn't know. Yeah, absolutely. So this Thursday, we are talking more about the Imperial Sovereign Court of the Wild Rose with Tanner Steele and Carrie Dewey. That's live this Thursday, 7 p.m. here on YouTube. You'll be able to watch this telecast later on as well. Next week, they, we still have two brand new episodes coming. Both of the people are from outside Alberta. On Tuesday, August 10th, we have Devanan Hubert. He is going to be talking about his life growing up in the church, being a, an African-American man, going into the army, realizing he is a gay man facing conversion therapy being kicked out for the don't ask don't tell he has a podcast that's called sex drugs and jesus so we are going to talk to him and then next thursday we have dr lulu who is a psychiatrist who talks to parents of queer children and helps those parents gain uh find some level of acceptance so it's going to be an enlightening conversation there once again thank you rob and godiva 
want to thank all of you for listening to tonight's episode of Tales of the LGBTQ+, reminding you to be good and always text when you get home. Until next time, everybody.